seats, but so excited to be with you guys today. You might be wondering if there's a literal fire. No, you're not wondering that. But honestly, that came out better than I thought it did. If you can't see it, it's because it's just one piece of paper. So if you're on the sides, it's like this skinny little thing. But no, excited to do this. But man, as Jonathan shared, this is your first time back in church ever. First time back in a year, six years, 12 years. Walking back into church is a weird thing. Followers of Jesus Christ are weird people, but we are loving and we're so glad you're here. Or man, if you have been tracking with Jesus for a long time, you love him and you've come here to do what we want to do, which is stir our hearts up by way of reminder of what is right and what is true, we love that you're here. We're going to start by praying and then we're going to jump into it. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the chance that we have to gather, to remind ourselves of you. God, would you do what we always ask, and that's would you change lives. Would you lead people to you, and would you lead those who know you to love you more? I can't do that. Only you can. Would you make that true of this place? If you're here and you have a faith, if you would, please take 10 seconds and pray that God would legitimately use this time in your life to strengthen faith. If y'all would, please take another 10 seconds. Pray for me. Pray that my heart would be yielded, that I would be helpful, that I would be useful to the master. Jesus, we love you. We give you this time. In your name we pray. Amen. Guys, as Jonathan shared during the announcements, if you've been hanging out with us for some time, you know that right now we are working our way through a series called You Can Change. It came out of this idea of how so many of us in both spiritual ways, financial ways, emotional ways, mental ways, physical ways, we feel stuck. We, we want to change, but we don't know how. And then most importantly, for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, who believe in him, how do we sincerely become more like him? The Bible uses language from one degree of glory to another. So we've been talking about how you can change. I can remember even before I was really a follower of Jesus Christ, to especially being after, for some reason, here's how I've always thought about it in my mind. I've always thought about it in terms of feeling cold and needing to move towards warmth, right? Feeling cold, wanting change in my life, knowing I want warmth, that's the change, but not knowing how to get there. So if you will, I've had this hypothetical scenario in my mind for a few years now, and I want to try to play it out. Here's what I want. I want you to think back to the last time you were cold. I mean legitimately cold, outside, been there long enough to where the cold, it's, it's biting. You may have a jacket on, but it cuts through the cloth. It comes, and you're feeling it. You're placing over, and you feel the sense of cold. You have what I have. You want to change. You want there to be warmth. And how we so often go through this, because I think this draws this spiritual truth, where when I'm cold and I want warmth, here's the first thing I go to. I start thinking through, hey, what could I put on? How can I make myself warmer? When you apply it to the spiritual context, hey, when I want to be more loving towards God, when I want to manage my temper better, when I want to no longer give way to broken, lustful images, when I want to actually desire to draw near to God and not just do it with this check-the-box mentality, I start to put on clothes because I want to get warm, and these clothes 
start out with things like, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to set an alarm. I'm going to try harder. I'm, I'm going to get up a little earlier. I'm going to try harder. Hey, I'm going to start going back to church. I guess this isn't really a jacket, so it's more of a cardigan. How do I look? That doesn't matter, right? But you put these things on. It's these, it's these efforts, or you come and you think through, you know what, I got to stop dating the wrong guys. I just keep finding the bad guy. So you know what, I'm just going to stop dating for a season, and we want to get warm. So we put on the next jacket, or hey, hey, I need to stop being greedy. I got to start actually building a budget, managing things. I got to maybe think about giving, or hey, hey, what if I try to open my Bible, and we put on another jacket? Why? We want to change. We want to get warmer, and, and then we come, and we're still not fully warm enough, so we come, and we say, okay, I'm going to put monitoring software on my computer, on my phone. Hey, I'm going to invite other people to speak into things. I'm going to come, and I'm going to get warm. I'm going to try, and we're trying so hard. And you start to get a little warmer. There's some change. You start to see a little change, but then something happens when you don't move towards fire. You get cold again. So then you start and you think, well, man, I've done all these efforts. I've done all these different things I can try to do to implement change. I'm trying so hard. So then we metaphorically begin to like start doing jumping jacks in place where it's like, okay, how do I increase my heart rate? I'm not going to do this for long because then you'll see how in shape terrible I am. I can't even say it right, right? Or we break out push-ups and we're like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then we start to get warm again. It's like, I can change. I'm going to get it together. If you've run in Christian circles, right? especially when we do this on our own strength, we have this language, it's called white knuckling. It's where we just so desperately grip to this, I can do it, I can do it. It's this white knuckling of change. And here's what happens. You get a little warmer. But when you don't move towards warmth, then you're covered in jackets. You're still out in the cold. And what happens? You start sweating. What happens to people who end up wet and then still cold? They get sicker. What I want to talk about today is how do you change? It's right to come, and if you've been here with us the past few weeks, do things, implement things in your life to get warmer. Say no to sin if you're a Christian. But guys, if you want to change, if you want lasting, glorious, eternal change, you have to move towards the fire. You have to move towards the flame. You remember the last time that you thought about when you were really cold? Maybe you're outside, you went to an event, a sporting game, you watched your family, you sat around something, and then you came, either you went inside or you stood by a fire. And immediately, what did you do? You felt the warmth. Like those cold nights where you come and you're beside a fire, and I mean like a roaring, glorious fire. And you come and you stand beside it, what happens? You can almost start to get too warm to where over time, some of the actions, some of the efforts, to a degree, you may not even need them. There's more freedom to your life. You can start to lay aside some of the things that you once saw as this sense of salvation when in reality, these are helpful tools. These, these are good things. But what brings lasting change? Stand by the fire drawn near to the righteous flame of God. Guys, if you've been tracking with us the past few weeks, we've been talking about how to change. Specifically in the past two, we talked about, especially if you're a believer, right? If you want to grow in faith, you have to put sin to death. Sin is just disobedience before God. 
You have to take that seriously. You have to put it to death, which includes taking some of the actions that we talked about. But guys, long term, the way that we change is you come and you stand by the fire. Standing by the fire is where you fight to fall in love with God, where you build not just this sense of like discipline in pursuit and oughtness. I ought to do, I should but you come, and guys, it's not always on emotion. This is not emotionalism. What I'm talking about is you come and you find affection with God. Love, this abiding sense in the soul of though imperfect, I will draw near. Guys, you can change. And if you want lasting, glorious, eternal, degree by degree change, yes, you got to put sin to death. Yes, you have to destroy it. But you must develop faith. You must fall in love with God. And that's a pursuit. That's a choice. That's a disciplined run towards. You must stand by the fire. Like if you're here and you're thinking about this, one of the verses that impacted me so much shortly after becoming a Christian, it's out of the book of Jude. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to read it to you guys. But it talks about this reality. It's Jude 20 through 21. It's speaking to Christians. It says, but you, beloved reminding us who we are, but you, beloved, and then it gives two things, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Christians always pray by faith in the Spirit. What do we do? We keep ourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. If you're here and you're a believer, your soul aches to be kept in the love of God. You always are. This is for us. So how do we do that? You stand by the fire. That's what we're going to talk about today. If you're here and you don't believe in God, here's why this still works. Here's why this would still apply to you. How do you come and bring change to your life? You can say no to things for a certain period of time. I'll, I'll give you an example. We've used this one repeatedly, right? You want to desire to get healthier or lose weight or whatever you want to call it. You can say no to bad habits for a while, but what are you fighting to kindle in your heart? a greater desire, a greater affection for health. Long-term change always comes by shifting affection to something. Followers of Jesus Christ, where does ours come? By shifting affection on God, getting to know him, standing by the fire. It brings light. It brings warmth. It brings freedom. So for the next two weeks, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how do you, how do I stand by the fire. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. If you've got a Bible, you can turn there. You can pull up your phone and act like you're reading it and get on Snapchat, get on Instagram. You can do whatever you want, right? You can pull it up. We'll have it up here. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. The next two weeks, we're going to look at verses 12 through 17. Today, we're going to focus on just 12 through 15. Right As we talk about how do you come and stand by the fire? Sounds good. I want the roaring warmth of God to soothe my soul, but how do I do it? Throughout this section, we'll read just before, Paul's been talking about this language of you have to put off, you have to put on. It's talking about get rid of clothes, put on new clothes. We're going to talk about if you want to stand by the fire, what do you have to put on? The three things we'll look at today is you have to put on faithfulness, put on love, and put on peace. So if you have a Bible, you can turn with me. If you're wondering about context 
right, for Colossians chapter 3. You're welcome to go back, listen to last week's or the week before that. You could set it up. Paul, he's writing a letter to a church about how to change out of love for God. So if you got a Bible, read with me. I think I'm going to start, just give us more as the framework. I'm going to go up, and we'll actually start in verse 9. Verse 9, because it's really, this is the, the thesis, the summary theme of this chapter. I sang too hard. Verse 9, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self. That's getting rid of sinful habits, right? That's changing who you are in Christ by faith. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. It's becoming more like Jesus. And then it gives an example. It's confused people. It gives an example of how this can be true for any person. He's going to reference different national, economic, social, cultural backgrounds and say, in Christ, he does this for anyone. And he's the one who does it because he's in you. So this is verse 11. Here there's not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. It's this reminder that how do you change? Because of the redemptive power of God resides within you. And then it sets up, okay, he's told us what to put off. That's what we've talked about. Now the next two weeks, what do you put on? How do you stand by the fire? I'm going to read 12 through 13. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So guys, as we continue to talk about how you can change, in Christ, you can change. That change comes, you got to stand by the fire. You have to fall in love with a father in heaven who sent his son, who reminds you and convicts with the spirit, who empowers you to faithfulness. you got to stand by the fire. In order to do that, the first thing we do is we put on faithfulness. This word faithfulness, it, it, it's very overarching, it's broad. What I mean by faithfulness is generally the summary thought, and I don't have a better word for this, this text that we'll work our way through. It's any time you're resisting what is wrong and pursuing what is right. It's fighting for holiness. You can do it in an instant. You can do it as a pattern direction in your life. That's what I mean by faithfulness. But let me show you specifically how that breaks down. First thing he's going to talk about here, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. The first thing that you and I must daily put on, must daily remind ourselves of, it's our identity. It's who we are in Christ. How when you believe in Jesus, not behave your way to heaven, when you sincerely believe he paid the penalty for all of your foolish sins, died on a cross for it, rose from the grave three days later, and he's coming back. When you believe that by faith, here's what happens to you and here's what happens to me. We're God's chosen ones. We're holy. We're beloved. Biblically, you can go back and listen to a series we did through the book of Ephesians at the start, chapter 1. We talked about how, do you know what it means to be chosen by God? It means to be cherished. It's like God looking at you, knowing you're good, you're bad, seeing you and saying, mine. I love you. Mine. Holy, it means to be set apart. It means that just by faith, do you know what's true of you, Christian? Blameless, above reproach. Do you know that we pursue holiness from holiness? 
Then he calls us beloved. Beloved in your Bible, it speaks to this incomprehensible, special love of God. It would have been like calling someone dearly loved one. One of the things that a lot of people wrestle with is this sense of, am I significant? Have you ever wondered that? By the way, every person does. Am I significant? What have I done? What is in me? What is significant that I am? Because of Christ, you're chosen, you're significant. Because of Christ, you're holy, you are significant. Because of Christ, you are beloved, you are significant. You need no status, no relationship, no accumulation of wealth, no progression in marriage. You need none of that to realize significant. What are you putting on in faithfulness? Put on who you are in Christ, your identity. Paul goes on. What else do we put on? Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. The second thing that we put on, it's attitude. You and I must daily put on the character of Christ. We fight to change our attitudes, our thoughts, our mentalities. If you've tracked with us the past couple weeks, Paul's literally flipping on his head the way that we're actually supposed to go after sin. He's saying from who you are, it should transform how you think. And what's true of Christians here? Compassionate, kindness, humility, meekness. Your Bible, it may say gentleness if you're reading a different translation. It's speaking to strength under control. Patience, it's long suffering. It's the endurance of trials. It's the endurance of difficulty. In the same way that you fight to break down the unholy thoughts, you stand by the fire when you fight to fill your mind with a holy attitude. I love it too, because you remember the language put on? Do you know that your thoughts you can choose? You're not slaves to them. Yes, you have automatic thoughts that just come into your mind that you didn't put there. But what happens once that automatic thought comes in, you can fight to put on compassion when you come to the moment and you're in the carpool line and they're not going fast enough and all of a sudden you think about all the different ways that if you ran their car, you could still get away before someone caught to you. No one else has road rage, neither do I, right? But do you see how in that moment you put on these attitudes, you put on faithfulness and what happens? You stand by the fire. The third one he says, it's actions. I love this because Paul, he gets right in my heart, right in yours. He says, you must daily put on what I'm going to call the conduct of Christ. What happens from who you are? It changes how you think. From how you think, it changes what you do. It's your actions. He says, bearing with one another. You know what it means to bear with someone? It speaks to relational endurance. Marriages, bear with one another. Friendships, bear with one another. Family, bear with one another. Community group, bear with one another. He goes on, it's like he knew what would happen in churches. And when I say that, I just mean people. If one has complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. You know what happens when you change who you are? You know what happens when you change how you think? You live differently. The person that you had the, the issue with, the qualm with, the complaint against, the gossip towards, the slander of, the tearing down, the negative thought where you come and you hang out with them and then you get in the car with your friend or your spouse and all of a sudden you start to talk about them negatively. Yet in a lack of faithfulness, you won't go tell them. What should we do when sinned against, we forgive? 
You know what forgiveness is? It's put on. It's chosen. You know what fuels it? The reminder of how Jesus Christ forgave you, how he forgave me. Do you see how we put on faithfulness? Why, why I love this is because it shows this, this biblical truth that's all over your Bible that change doesn't come from just saying no to sin. Change doesn't come from just saying, stop it, stop it, stop it. Change comes from not just stopping, but turning and starting. Putting on faithfulness, reminding yourself. And when I say reminding, I mean 30, 40, 50 times a day when you have the broken thought of who you are fighting to come. And as we've talked about in past weeks, to capture that thought to cross-examine it and say, okay, I'm not inadequate. I have been made significant. To correct it with the truth, I have been made holy, chosen, beloved, and then commit. I'm going to remind, remind, remind. At the end of the day, out of worship for God, you have in your Apple notes or written on a journal or wherever you want to put it, this log of here's how I fought to put on faithfulness. Because one of the things that we think is we think it's just stop, stop, stop. It's not it. Start. I I can remember right after I trusted Christ, I'd had a crush on the girl for a long time. I couldn't get over my past girlfriend. That's That's what I'm trying to say. Couldn't get over my past girlfriend. I went to college. There were all these other girls. I compared her against all them. I didn't really like any of them. It was a total season of brokenness in my life. Right? Couldn't compare. I couldn't get over. I couldn't get over. I couldn't get over. I couldn't get over. Stop, 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 John. Don't think. Stop, 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 John. Don't think. And then I met a woman by the name of Taylor Lee Fuller. I can remember I met her at a party. She was talking about Jesus. I was terrified. I was nervous. I asked her out. Right? I came up with this whole, hey, you want to go get coffee? I went and I hung out with her at coffee. We spent two hours getting to know each other. It was Wednesday. I called her the same night that I got her number. You're like supposed to wait. I did not wait. Called her, hung out that Saturday. While I'm at a breakfast, because Christians, like, we do coffee because it's safe and breakfast because it's early in the day, right? So I'm at breakfast, coffee with her, and I ask her to lunch, right? Not, not like the next day, like, like that day. And then from lunch, later on, I asked her to dinner. Like, not the next day, like that day. Here's the thing, y'all. Here's why I share that. I can remember, I can remember bringing her back from lunch, coming, dropping her off at her car, giving her a hug goodbye. You know what I wasn't thinking about anymore? Old girlfriend. Why? New affection. It's just this truth. It's not just stop, it's start. Am I telling you to have a rebound girlfriend? No. And it worked out. It wasn't a rebound. I won. But do you get this truth? What do you do to overcome the moon? You wait for the sun to rise. You put on faithfulness. You stand by the fire. Guys, this is where I'm serious. This is a daily choice. This is a fight for faithfulness. You draw near to the fire. You put it on. It's your identity. It's who you are. It's your attitude. You got to change that. It's your actions. You track that. You list that. You remind yourself of who you are. If you're not daily self-preaching what Jesus Christ has done for you, you're missing it. He never wants you to know that you're not significant. And you know what happens to people who grasp, not because of anything in us, but all because of him. He's made us significant. We live like it's true. 
Let's keep reading. Let's look at verse 14. Love this section. Verse 14, Colossians chapter 3. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So as we're talking about how do you draw near to the fire, how do you fall in love with God, what do you put on? You put on faithfulness. And then what's he saying here? You put on love. I love how Paul starts this out where he says, and above all else, he's literally giving a priority to your life. What should be the number one defining thing that you not only feel, but you fight to do, you put on, you clothe yourself with, you choose love. Why? It holds everything together in perfect harmony. It's like the way I think about it, it's like this beautiful umbrella under which the loving characteristics of God are given life, are held together to where the number one thing that becomes true of you is love. Do you know that's what Jesus says the church, his people, his disciples are supposed to be known for? By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. How do you have love for one another? You put it on. If you grew up in church, you may know this, but the the word love here, it's agape. There's four different types of love in the Greek. Your Bible, the New Testament, originally it's written in the Greek. This is one of those. Agape, it speaks to unconditional, never-ending, always pursuing, never stopping. Doesn't matter what you've done, I love you. Who has that love towards us? It's God. Despite my foolishness, despite my brokenness, on my best days of faithfulness and my worst days of weakness, what does he feel towards me? Agape. From that realization, from that grasp and understanding, above all these, what do I put on? Love. I think so many times, though, when it comes to love, we think about it the wrong way. Stay with me for a minute here. I think we think about love simply in terms of a noun, a state of being, something we fall into, romantic comedy. I'm supposed to want to connect with God, read my Bible to pray. I'm supposed to want to share my faith. I'm supposed to want to be generous. I'm supposed to want to discipline myself for the purpose of godliness. Why? Because I'm in love. It just feels right. That's partly true. There's affection. It is a noun. But biblically, what is absolutely also true, love, it's not just noun. Love, it's a verb. You see this, by the way, all throughout the book of John, where love, it's this pursuing love of Jesus Christ towards the people where he's come to seek, to save the lost. It's his love. It's not just noun. It's also verb. It's chosen. It's put on. It's willfully decided. It's not always felt. It can be forged. Some of y'all may know my wife and I, Taylor, we have a newborn, right? We're so excited. He's four weeks old. One of the things that comes with that is he's up throughout the night, right? My wife feeds him, takes care of him, all that kind of stuff. We're right now in this season where it depends on, does he get up at one? Does he get up at two? One of the things, and you can honestly, you can ask my wife, right? Don't overwhelm her, right? But you can ask her, does she enjoy that time with Trip? Like nursing, loving, caring, holding, Is that something? And here's what I would tell you. Maternally in her, she legitimately is grateful, appreciates, has affection for, and loves that time. She enjoys it. She's drawn to it. Here's the thing, though, guys. 1 a.m. comes. 2 a.m. comes. 
How much love and affection do you think she's feeling as she's just supposed to bound out of the bed to hear the cry, to tend to him? Does she love him? Yes. Is that a willful choice? Absolutely. And I'm like over there awake, but then realizing I can't really do anything, praying for her, going back to bed. Yeah, like I get no credit. I get it. But guys, do you see? Love, it's a choice. Ask any friend that you've had for a long time, reflect in your own life, had you, have you had to choose to love them? The answer is yes. If that relationship's worth its salt. Ask any marriage, have you had to choose to love? Do you know what chosen, chosen love looks like? It looks like the couple that's been married for 30 years as they walk down the street, they fight to choose to grab each other's hand. Even when they were dating, they just couldn't stop touching each other. It's chosen it's the couple who, when they come and they examine the budget and they look at the finances, all of a sudden they're getting creative to figure out, how do I create a date night, even though it's costly, it's chosen. It's the realization that when you come and you fight to love other people, you're not always going to be loving. You won't always be lovely. And you won't always want to. And what do you do? It's chosen. If you want to stand by the fire, do not give way to the reality that it's emotion that just takes you there. It's chosen, it's put on, it's grasped, it's pursued, it's disciplined. That's how you stand by the fire. Let's look at verse 15. As we continue to see, what do we put on? Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. So guys, we're talking about how do we come stand by the fire, why we want to change, and we know that yes, you can come and you can put on things, but eventually you're just still out in the cold by yourself, and we fight to draw near to God. Why? He always draws near to us. We build ourselves up in our most holy faith, keeping ourselves in the love of God. The third thing that we put on is we put on peace. Peace. Right here, Paul, he's saying that you and I were meant to be ruled by peace. And the part for me that, that I love about this is I actually have way more influence over that than what I think I do. So many of us, when it comes to peacefulness, contentment, gratitude, being calm, we don't think we have much control over that. We do. Let's see what Paul says. He starts by saying you're meant to be ruled by peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The part that really reminds me of this is the word rule. This word rule, it literally would have been used, Paul, they would have had the Olympics back then. It's near Greece. They would have known that. It would have been used for like an umpire or a referee. When there's a competition and two people are going at it and there's an umpire and they have to make a judgment call. They have to decide this or that. You're watching, pick any sport you want and the ref's there and they got to call foul, fair, Red card, free kick. Whatever judgment you want. Here's what I love about that, though. You let peace rule in your hearts by intentionally making the judgment call to choose it. Does that mean that our hearts in brokenness, we can go down the path of pain, difficulty? Yes. But over time, by the power of the Holy Spirit within you, can we fight to let peace rule? Yes. We fight to let peace rule. We won't have this up on the screen. Hands down, the most convicting verse to me in 2019, I'm pretty sure it's Proverbs 16.32. 16.32. It says, 
And whoever is slow to anger, talking about someone who fights to control a sense of peacefulness in their life, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Your Bible literally uses better than language. Whoever's calm, content, and peaceful is better than the mighty. And the next part, and he who rules his spirit is better than he who takes a city. You know how often I war against this in my own life? How often, man, my, my passion, it just gets run away. One of my greatest gifts, one of my greatest difficulties. You have to fight by the power of God from the peace that he's given you to let it rule in your hearts. Why? This indeed you are called in one body. You know what happens when you're marked by peace? People like you more. It's totally true. Just fact. It's just going to create unity, right? One of the things that you get around, unpeaceful people, they deserve love, we pursue, we care, but over time, uh, culture calls those people energy takers, right? Not energy givers. I love where it goes right after that. It says, and be thankful. Guys, we cannot grow a sense of peace. We can't put it on. We can't stand by the fire. We can't move towards godliness if we are not fighting for gratitude. I love how Paul connects the truth. It's like he was helping me. He said, hey, if you want to see a peaceful person, I'll show you a grateful person. You want to see a grateful person? I'll show you a peaceful person. The way I think about that in my own life is how do I calm my nervous, anxious, beating soul, the worry, the what if, what could be, or I should think more, what if I put more energy? How do I actually honor? Cease striving. Know that I am God. I will be exalted in the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. God will exalt himself in my life, my family, my community, my friends, the church of which I am a member of, this community, this city. He's responsible for that. How do I see striving? Paul right here, he connects this dot that I've always had a hard time connecting. He says, you fight for a heart of gratitude. I once heard a friend share with me, man, if you really want to grow in this, and it takes time, you got to really think about it, especially for me. If you want to grow in this, first thing in the morning, when your feet come out of the bed and they touch the floor, verbally, out loud, declaring to self, to God, and to others, say, thank you. You have another day, another chance to be on mission, to live for God, to draw near to him, to get to know him. Say, thank you. And then at the end of the day, when your feet lift off the floor, you turn and your head touches the pillow. Verbally, before God, for self, in declaration, say, thank you. Why? We change when we stand by the fire. If you want to stand by the fire, you've got to put on peace. In order to put on peace, there's this direct link to gratitude. So you fight to be grateful. And if you want to know, like the biblical pro tip, say thank you when you don't want to. Say thank you when you don't understand why you should be thankful. And then right after that, you tell God, help me to see this the way you see it. And even if I don't, until the day that I'm in glory before you, give me faith to endure thank you. If I do that, there's more unity. If I do that, there's more change. If I do that, I stand by the fire. 
Guys, we're in this series, You Can Change. We're talking about all these different aspects. We're talking about how if you want to change, yes, you stop things, you kill sin, you, you do things in your life to remove it. You don't tolerate it, you take it serious. You're either killing sin or sin is killing you. No excuses. He died for it, he died for you. What's the severity that he means? Kill it. Straight up. But as you stop, as you put off, as you put to death, what do we do? We start. We put on. We bring to life. We stand by the fire. One of the things that I noticed in reflecting on this passage, especially this first part, is how much of it honestly required that I be around other Christians. Right? There's this interesting thing, even as you look at these pas- this passage, is you're talking about what do you put on, put on faithfulness, it's my identity, okay, that's me, it's my attitudes, okay, that's me, it's my actions, okay, that's with other people. Right? I put on love, right, which builds a sense of unity, and then we're binding things in peace by way of harmony. There's this truth that in order to really honor this, I have to be close enough. My life has to rub enough with other believers in my life that are gonna actually help me do this. Bear with one another. Even when you have complaint against one another, forgiving each other, reminding each other that you've been forgiving, holding together in perfect harmony in the power of love. What does love do? Love overflows. So what is a demonstration in one body? Guys, if you wanna grow, you want to stand by the fire, you must know you cannot do this alone. I mean that in two ways. One, you have the enabling power of the Holy Spirit by faith, literally God within you. He always wants to help. Literally, there's this verse where he says, I reward those that draw near. He always wants to help. And the second way I mean that, you cannot do that in isolation. You cannot do that without other people in your life. And here's the thing, man. I don't mean just other people who are friends that are Christians. I mean other people who get up close enough, who know you, your marriage, your friendship, your dating, your academic pursuits, not cheating, all the stuff, who get up close enough to really say, one, you kind of annoy me. I have a complaint against you, and now I have to fight to forgive you. Two, I get the opportunity to love you. Three, you help me fight for peace. You remind me of who I am. You have to get close enough to actually have friction. As iron sharpens iron, so one man, so one woman sharpens another. Christian friends aren't enough. You need community. That's the word that we use here at the Springs. One of the things that's true, if you want to stand by the fire, one of the things that's true, if you want to grow in faith, you need community. What, what is community? I'll, I'll give you, there's a whole bunch of verses we could read, but for simplicity, it's authentic relationships that lead to spiritual transformation for the glory of God and the good of you. It's where you get around a group of people where you get close enough to them where you really can fight to encourage one another, strengthen one another, pray for one another, help one another, admonish one another, confess your sins to one another, call to missionary to the others, to get outside of your internal little bubble, to remind you that you are not a holy huddle. We are a sent people. We are missionaries. It's getting close enough to people to do that. 
You want to stand by the fire. You can't do it alone. God helps you. His people help you. Here at the Springs, we have community groups. You do not have to do that here at the Springs, but here's what I'm telling you. If you've been hanging out at the Springs for a long time and you're opposed to community, then here's the deal. You're opposed to the main way we plan to disciple people in this body. You know what that means? You do not want us to be your local church. You are absolutely called to connect to a local body that helps you live out these one another's. If not here, before God, please go all in somewhere. But if here, help us go all in. What does that look like? For some of us, that looks like actually joining a community group. Jonathan, he shared before, regeneration. If you're not ready for that, it's an intensive discipleship structure. You're welcome to go do that as well. It's a group of people. But come, get connected, grow in community, because here's what you're going to have. You'll have what I had in my group this past week. A big old glorious come to Jesus meeting where we celebrated what was right and we said this is not right enough. This must change. And now, you know what I get the choice? You know what my community group says the choice to do? To fight to stand by the fire, by practicing. Am I going to put on faithfulness? Am I going to put on love? Am I going to put on peace? Will I consider them as more significant? Guys, this text, it's speaking to stand by the fire. But the truth is, you do this and you see this. You gotta be around believers close enough really close enough. And I don't mean like the one friend that knows this part of you. This friend knows your dating life. This friend knows your professional life. This friend knows your spiritual life. Don't compartmentalize. We all do that in self-defense. We all do that as a form of self-protection. I mean, go all in. Because here's what every person needs. Every person needs this. Whether you believe in Jesus or not, you need to be known. And here's the second thing. We need to be needed, known. Do you know that before God, you are fully loved as you are? Community is meant to be a reminder of that, that when down, the truth, it's pressed into your soul. You're chosen, you're holy, you're beloved. It's meant to do that. It's meant to help. Church, we are not and to do it alone. The other thing that I'm so excited, which is why there's two parts of this. We stand by the fire. We don't do it alone. We put on faithfulness. We put on love. We put on peace. Next week, we're going to talk about we put on truth, the righteous, glorious gift of God's word in our life. And we come, guys, and the word that we want is we feast. We get to know a God in heaven who loves you, who by the power of his Holy Spirit has preserved his word for you. It pierces bone and marrow, divides spirit and soul. It leads to prosperity in your life. It's a gift. For the longest time, I didn't view it was a gift. And that's where we're going. Guys, if you want to change, you and I, we have to stand by the fire. I'll close with this thought. One of the things that I reflect on is wanting to be a a person, a man, and this is a man, a woman of integrity. We, We want this. I imagine you want this, which for me, here's what that would look like. For me, that would look like legitimately loving God, not doing it because it's my job, doing it because I love him, legitimately walking in faith, 
with my spouse, with my kids, with my friends, with my community group, with the springs, with this community. Will I have it all together? Nope. But must I be marked by sincere righteousness by faith? Yeah. Yeah. So this is a great way. You never do it for other people. You do it because of God. But do you want to know how? Do you want to know how with integrity, right? In 20 years, 30 years, one, I can go before my wife and you can ask her, hey, John, let me ask you, does John really love you? Does John really fight to die to his sin, to cherish you? to fight to help? Does John really fight to serve? I I know he can be an idiot, but does he really? Like, I'm asking you with integrity, when you come and you stand before God, could you come and look to John and with, with this heart of gratitude say, thanks for helping prepare me? Did he do that? My daughter, my son, could they come and say, Does your dad really love Jesus when he's off the stage? Does your dad really fight to cling to God's word? Does your dad really repent of his sin? Does your dad really fight to set a tone of prayerfulness and attitude throughout your house? Does he really? What about my community group? Hey, does he really love? Like when there's problems, does he really repent? Does he really receive rebuke? Does he really, my friends, the people around, this community, the springs, the members, the people. Guys, I'm telling you, you, you can make it a bit off of stop. Stop doing this, killing sin. The only way with integrity in my life that I make that is I daily fight to stand by the fire. You want to know How? You come and you find a woman of good repute that actually wants to marry you because you fear God and you'll lead her well. You stand by the fire. You want to know how you become a person worthy of marriage. You stand by the fire. You want to know how you become a God-fearing leader in your household. You stand by the fire to where your kids know you're broken, you have problems. They don't blame you for everything. But they know you love Christ. You stand by the fire. The way I stay in pastoral ministry, Lord willing, unless I die, 40 years, stand by the fire. Church, I need to change. We need to change. Christ in us, with his people, we can. How do we do it? Stand by the fire. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it comes and it does help. I thank you that we're going to learn about it next week. I thank you that every time we fight to open it, give us a heart to connect with you, to know you, to love you. Lord, may we stand by the fire. May we come and yes, say no to sin. Yes, kill sin. Those are good. They're right. But God, may we draw near. May we draw near to you and you draw near to us. Would you help us to remember you reward those who seek you that you're so kind, so loving, you're so forgiving, and you are always helping. It's all for you, God. You are king. We are servant. It's our privilege. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Y'all, hey, thank you guys for coming and hanging out. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your Sunday, and have a great week of worship. See you next week.